please have your Bible open now to the book of Genesis. Folks, last week we began a study in the life of, I guess, a great patriarch, uh, Jacob. Um, He got his name changed. We're going to look at that today. I think it's smart. I think it's wise to look at the lives of Bible characters, men and women. We can learn a lot. Often we'll learn what not to do. You know, uh, the older I get, the more I think it's true that some of our best lessons are not so much what, what do I do? It's what I should not do. You see, it's those things that get us into trouble and you could have a thousand doors in front of you, but you know, only one is the right door. So 999 mistakes can be made before you hit the, the one that you should have picked in the beginning. Well, hopefully by studying the lives of Bible characters, we can save ourselves some heartache eh? and we can learn a few things. Uh, Today, we're going to pick up part two in the life of Jacob. Remember his name um, means heel grabber because his brother Esau, they were twins. Esau came out before him, but somehow Jacob's hand was out there grabbing his brother's heel. And so they named him Yaakov, um, heel grabber, Jacob. And we made comment that his life seems to illustrate more of a defeated Christian life than a victorious Christian life. Um, Jacob was an amazing guy in many ways. He was a strange kind of a fellow. There was a lot of problems in that home. And I think that the mom and dad, uh, Isaac and Rebecca made matters worse by having favorites. And we spoke about this last Sunday and we said, don't have favorites. That's not a smart idea. Don't have favorites. Love your children equally. Uh, Some of them are easier to love. Some of them are harder to love and depends on, you know, the day, the time of the day, the month of the year, whatever. Some of them are easier. Some of them are harder to love, but love your children. Very important that you do that. We, we wouldn't want God to have favorites amongst his children because uh, some of us would uh, walk away, you know, with a dark cloud over our head and we'd be discouraged because we think, well, God doesn't love me very much. He loves others that are better. You know, God knows what he's getting himself into when he has children. And so God loves us all. He does. And we need to love our children all equally. Amen. Well, let's have a word of prayer and let's pick up with, um, Chapter number 28, and that's where we're going to, uh, to start as we learn a little more about the life of Jacob. Pray with me now. Dear Heavenly Father, help us now during this time as we have our Bibles open, as we have our hearts receptive. Heavenly Father, teach us truth. Teach us things that are good for us to know. Teach us how to live for you. Teach us how to avoid the devil's traps. Teach us how to avoid going the way of the world, the flesh and the devil, and to go the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please give us victory this year. Now there's some of us going to need it. Um, Father, I do pray your hedge of protection around all of our church people and families. This year may be very telling. Father, Equip us now, won't you please? Speak to our hearts this very hour, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, uh, you know the story how that uh, Jacob and Esau, they got into a tussle. Um, back when they were maybe in their early 20s, Esau sold his birthright to Jacob. He despised it. That's what the Bible says. And so Jacob purchased the birthright for a bowl of pottage and some bread and some water to drink. And so he got it dirt cheap and maybe 40, 50 years go by. These two brothers are easily in their early seventies. They're not young men in their twenties. These guys, they'd be drawing Canada pension. Okay. They are mm, uh, up there. They're not spring chickens as we would count the chickens. And uh, at about 70, 72 years of age, something like that here, they're running around and uh, Jacob managed to deceive his father. And he lied four times and he got his father to bestow all that blessing upon him. And then there was big rivalry and Esau wanted to kill his brother, Jacob. And so uh, Jacob's mother, Rebecca sent Jacob away. She said for a few days until your brother calms down. Well, it ended up being a lot more than a few days and Rebecca ended up dying in that time. She never did see her son, Jacob ever again, but in chapter 28, we've got Jacob on the run and he is going off to live with brother, uh, with his uncle Laban. And so in chapter 28, we have now Jacob being met by God. This is Jacob's first experience that we know of where he, he has some confrontation, some encounter, some meeting with God almighty. And so I think, you know, the, the story here and how he, he, he takes off and he comes upon a certain place in verse 11. It says, and that was Bethel. That was Bethel. What we, what became known as Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. And so, um, it says he tarried there all night because the sun was set. Uh, he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillow. Boy, that'd make a pretty rough pillow if you ask me, but Jacob, he's just an interesting guy. So he lay down a place to sleep and he dreamed and behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father. And the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest to thee, will I give it and to thy seed and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the West, to the East, to the North and to the South and in thee and thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places, whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that, which I have spoken of to thee. Now just pause for a moment. This very same almighty God who met with Jacob is our God too. And when we get born again into his family through Jesus Christ, he makes a similar promise never to leave us nor forsake us ever. He will never, ever leave us nor forsake us. That is good news, folks. Amen. That's good news. Well, one day he's going to come back for us, isn't he? He's going to bring us to heaven. We may not have much time on earth. I don't know. We may have many years left, but it seems like our time is very short. 
we ought to make the most of our lives here on earth, lest we get to heaven and we realize we wasted our lives. Folks, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. This world is not worth it. Any little trinkets and tinsel that you might pick up in this world, you're going to leave it all behind. So let's set our eyes upon the Lord looking for that blessed hope. Amen. And so here he has a very special dream. Jacob does. And um, what does he do in verse 16? He wakes up out of his sleep. He said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other, but the house of God in Hebrew. That's bait. That's house. And L is God. So bait L or Bethel Bethel, as we know it, house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. At least that's what he said. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar, a pillar. We will get back to that verse on Wednesday nights when we talk about wisdom. And it says he poured oil upon the top of it and he called the name of the place Bethel, Bethel, Bethel. Uh, but the name of the city was um, called Luz or Luz at the first. Well, here we, we find uh, our, our friend Jacob making um, a rough sort of a, an altar, uh, if you will. Uh, some debate whether this is any kind of an altar. It's more of just a, a monument of a pillar. But I want you to notice what's missing here is there's no prayer. After God meets with him and God makes the spectacular promise to him. Jacob doesn't pray back to God. There's no mention here whatsoever. He doesn't fall on his knees and say, thank you, Lord. He doesn't do that. Does he? He doesn't. He doesn't worship God. There's no mention of that here. Instead, what we find is a 72 year old man trying to bargain with God because that's the kind of guy that Jacob was. He was a bargainer is what he was. Um, he, I guess he'd be good at some types of business, I suppose. But look at verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. That sounds like a bargain to me. Um, uh, let me rephrase that. It sounds like Jacob is trying to bargain a deal. That's what I meant to say. Uh, Your honor, what my client meant to say was that Jacob is sounding more like a businessman trying to enter into a negotiation here with God. Well, if God does this and this and this and this for me, then he will be my God. You know, that indicates to us that at this point in his life, Jacob doesn't really know the Lord personally, intimately. Jacob is not born again. He's not saved at this point. So I think that's very interesting. The Lord was not yet his God. And it seems that Jacob is still only interested in what God can do for him. He's not 
so much interested in giving back to God. Now be careful there. Watch out about this because you'll see it over and over in some people's lives. Well, if God wants to bless me, I'll let him. If he wants to give me a job and give me a good salary, I'll go along with that. If God wants to give me a family and a house and good health, Hey, I won't stand in the way. And that seems to be where it ends. There doesn't seem to be any reciprocation here. Those people don't seem to want to give their lives over to the Lord. They don't seem to want to live for him. Watch out for that. Be careful about that. We come to chapter 29 and Jacob comes now to uh, the land where his uncle Laban lives. And here, um, in this chapter, we find the deceiver gets deceived himself. And often that's the case. You will reap what you sow. And if you tend to be a shark, well, don't cry if you get bit someday. And if you tend to be a bit of a, a deceiver, a heel grabber, a cheater, don't cry the blues when it happens to you. What goes around comes around. And that's what we find here in chapter 29. The deceiver gets deceived. So he comes into the land where Laban lives and he meets one of Laban's daughters, Rachel. We don't know how old she is. Maybe she's 16. Maybe she's 26. I don't know. I do know that their father Laban is older than Jacob. So Laban, maybe, I don't know, 20 years older. I don't know, but he's older than Jacob is. I know that much. And here he's got a, a couple of daughters. I'm just guessing. No one knows for sure. Maybe, maybe Rachel here is 16 years old. Maybe she's 20. Maybe she's 36 years old. We don't know, do we? We don't know, but she was very attractive. And Jacob saw her and, you know, his, his heart, boom, boom, he thought, oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. He wanted her. He wanted her. Well, that kind of thing still happens today, doesn't it? And so here he uh, wanted to marry her. And so uh, Laban, make a long story short, says in, uh, uh, let's see, verse um, Verse 15, Laban said unto Jacob, be, because thou art my brother, shouldst thou therefore serve me for not? Tell me what shall be thy wages. And Laban had two daughters and the older was Leah and the younger Rachel. Verse 17, Leah was tender eyed. Rachel was beautiful and well favored. Jacob loved Rachel and said, verse 18, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. Oh, this poor girl had to wait seven years more when she met Mr. Wonderful. <clears throat> when she met her future husband, she still had to wait seven years. That's a long time to wait to get married, don't you think? Well, anyhow, this was the deal. And so um, Laban, verse 19, said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And so here's what happened. Um, Jacob serves Laban for seven years. He gets seven years 
of Jacob's service for free. That's what he got. And during that time, Laban's flocks were prospering and he was raking in the money and he was becoming wealthy because of Jacob. And you know, God's blessing was upon Jacob. It wasn't so much uh, Jacob. It was more God than it was Jacob and God's blessing. God made a promise to Jacob says, I'll be with you. I'm going to bless you. And so Laban was quick to realize the blessing of God was on this man. Later, Pharaoh saw the blessing of God upon young Joseph. Yeah. Uh, Boy, Joseph got favor in the eyes of his employers because of God. Later on still, Daniel, when he was taken captive over to Babylon, God gave him favor also. Favor in the eyes of the prince of the eunuchs and favor also in the eyes of Nebuchadnezzar, the king. God is able to give us favor. That's important. You know, sometimes you meet someone and just right away, they don't like you. There's something in the chemistry, the unseen spirit, whatever. They just, they just don't like you. They don't know you from a rock on the ground, but for some reason, they don't like you. Now that may be because they're not saved and you are, and there's that spiritual thing there. But then other people, as soon as you meet them, they just take a liking to you. And God can do that in your place of employment. You know, that's something that you maybe think about praying is for God to give you favor in the eyes of your employers, God to give you favor in the eyes of your loved ones. You know, that's a prayer. I'll be honest with you. That's a prayer that I make almost every single day is that God will give me favor in your eyes, that God will give me a place in your heart, that you would love me as your pastor, that you would pray for me, that you would protect me that you would offer me your counsel and that as I preach God's word to you, you would hear it as of the Lord and obey it. And that together we can make up a wonderful church family and a church that Jesus would be very pleased and proud to call his own. And so asking God to give you favor in certain eyes, that's biblical. So give that some thought. And here Laban certainly had favor with, uh, or I should say Jacob had favor with Laban because uh, Laban could see the blessing of God upon Jacob. And so anyhow, the seven years goes by. And I think you're familiar with this story in verse 21. uh, Jacob said unto Laban, give me my wife for my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah This is his firstborn daughter, the older daughter. He took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid, for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? You see, the deceiver gets deceived. He, he wasn't expecting this and it happened and God will make it happen in our lives. If we seek to deceive, you try to get something by craft, by stealth. You try to lie your way into some sort of blessing. You be careful because what goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. 
happened to Jacob. Boy, he was mad. Now you wonder, you might wonder how in the world on his wedding night, could he not realize this was not Rachel? Well, there's a few ideas on that and it's all just speculation. Possibly Jacob got drunk. That is a possibility. And he was so drunk that he just didn't know. Maybe uh, Leah did herself up somehow with makeup similar to Rachel. I don't know. None of us knows. All we know is the bottom line is that the deceiver got deceived. Boy, he wasn't too happy about that. And so, um, what Laban did, I'm just summarizing the story here for you. What Laban did is he said, well, I, I tell you what, serve me another seven years and I'll, I'll throw Re- Rachel in. You know, you can have them both a two for one deal. How do you like that? Oh, I don't know if Jacob liked that, but he went for it. And now he had not one wife. He had two wives. And, you know, we call that polygamy. Uh, well, uh, is God in this sort of thing? Does God sanction polygamy? I don't believe he does. I believe God's plan is one man for one woman for one life. Until death do us part, I think is God's perfect way. Well, then what's this about Jacob? Does this give us permission to know it does not? And I'm telling you, we'll see this more as we study a little more into the life of Jacob. But he had trouble. He had too many cooks in the kitchen. Hmm? Boy, he had problems. Get those two women and especially they were sisters and they were both his wives and he had nothing but trouble basically for the rest of his married life. And so, no, it's not a good idea. And I do not believe biblically that it's God's first choice for men and women at all at all. I think it just leads to trouble and there's plenty of it. Now um, in chapter, the rest of chapter uh, 29, you have uh, Leah, you know, giving birth to, to some kids. So you get Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah. And then in chapter 30, you got uh, a bunch more kids, about eight more kids here, seven more kids. Anyhow, Dan and Naphtali and Gad, Asher. You can look them up yourself, uh, each one. But Jacob is getting old now. And so Joseph is born here in verse 24. And she called his name Joseph. And of course, this is uh, the son of Rachel. And she said, um, the Lord shall add to me, um, to, to another son, add to me another son. And so at this point, uh, Jacob is about 90 years old and Joseph is born. Now we looked at this last Sunday and we looked at the, the life and the age and so on of Jacob. And we did it largely by counting the age there of his son, Joseph. And we kind of figured things backward. That's how we know how old uh, that Joseph was. And so we're going to um, uh, leave chapter 30 and we're going to get into chapter 31. We've got to press on here. 20 years have now gone by since Jacob met up with Laban. You can see in verse uh, 38, this 20 years have I been with thee. 
And so uh, Jacob is 90. He falls out of friendship with Laban. The two of them are uh, angry with each other. Uh, in verse three, God speaks. He says, and says, the Lord said unto Jacob, return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred. And I will be with thee. And so God speaks, God keeps his promise always. And so what Jacob did was he said, okay. And he took off. And if you look at verse nine at 20 and 21, and Jacob stole away unawares to Laban, the Syrian in that he told him not that he fled. So he fled with all that he had. He rose up and passed over the river and set his face toward the Mount Gilead. He took off like a coward. Here is a man. I think who's full of fear. He's afraid of Laban and afraid of what Laban will say and afraid of what Laban will do. But now one of his wives and it's Rachel Look what she did. This is what she did to her own father. In verse 19, Laban went to shear his sheep and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. That English word image or images, it's the Hebrew word teraphim and it's plural. These were little statues, little idols. In fact, Laban himself calls them gods. He says, uh, in verse number 30, uh, let's see. And now though thou wouldst needs be gone because thou sore longest after thy father's house yet, wherefore hast thou stolen my gods? They're also called gods here. And in verse 32, Jacob, you know, Hey, how dare you call me a thief? I didn't steal anything of yours. And this is what Jacob says. And he doesn't even know his wife stole him. His wife was a thief. He didn't even know it. And so verse 32, Jacob says with whomsoever thou findest thy gods, let him not live. He wouldn't have said that if he knew it was his wife who stole him. And so verse 33, Laban went into Jacob's tent and didn't find him and so on. And verse 34, Rachel had taken the images and put them in the camel's furniture and sat upon them. And so she had an excuse of, um, uh, kind of, you know, that feminine um, monthly um, time. And that was her excuse as to why she couldn't get up. And her father believed it. And if, if he had pulled her off and looked, he would have found them. I don't know what would have happened then. Boy, I'm, I'm telling you, there, there was an absolute turmoil. But I guess in the, the mercy of God, that kind of thing didn't happen. Now, those little gods, those little images... Some people believe that they, they had to do something with proof of ownership of land and property. Uh, others just simply believe that they were just simply that they were just little images made uh, in the likeness of God, that he did that sort of thing. And if that's true, it sort of reminds you a little of what our Catholic friends do with all of their little images of all their saints. And sometimes people take the little saint um, Christopher and put it up on the dashboard. They say, well, he's the patron saint of traveling. And so he'll keep me safe as I'm driving my car, not in Surrey. He won't boy. Surrey is nuts. If you don't pray while you're driving, <laughs> you're missing out on an opportunity for God's hedge of protection. I've been here 22 years. I never, I've been driving for 47 years. I've never prayed as much as I pray as I'm driving around Surrey because 
Half the people are crazy. They shouldn't, they shouldn't have been given licenses. Well, anyhow, that's for another sermon. We have to leave chapter 31 and get to chapter 32. And my friends here, finally, this is a turning point in Jacob's life. Now it's interesting here in chapter 32 that we have what's called Jacob's struggle. Jacob goes through a horrific struggle in this chapter because he's, he's left Laban. He's on his way back home and he hears that his brother Esau is coming. And so if, if you look at chapter 31 and verse number uh, six, where are we here? So I'm sorry, 32. I think I said 31. I'm sorry. Chapter 32 verse six. Here we are. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy brother Esau and also he cometh to meet thee and 400 men with him. That, that is not good news. That is not good. Jacob, Jacob figured the jig is up. My brother has not forgiven me. He's not forgotten what I did to him. Even after 20 years, he's gunning for me. It's going to be the end of me. And so he is greatly distressed. Look at verse seven. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people that was with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two bands and said, if Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company, which is left shall escape. So there he is trying to finagle and plan again. And Jacob said, Oh God of my father, Abraham, here he is praying. Finally, now he's crying out to God. You know, isn't it sad? Isn't it sad that sometimes it takes a catastrophe in life to get us looking up to heaven and get us crying out to God and, and get us praying the way we should have been praying years ago. Now the catastrophe it's caught up. The, the cows have come home. That's an old farmer saying, but you know, the jig is up. Trouble is finally at the doorstep. It's here. And Jacob thought, this is going to end in bloodshed. People are going to die. Maybe me. And so finally in verse nine, he cries out and he says, Oh God of my father, Abraham and God of my father, Isaac, the Lord, which said unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred. And I will deal well with thee. And so here he is praying and crying out to God. And here we have the first time mentioned where Jacob is praying. He's 90 years old or 92. And for the first time, he's starting to cry out to God and trying to pray to God. And so what he does here is he cries out in verse 11, deliver me, I pray thee. And verse 12, thou saidst, I will surely do thee good. And so he's reminding God of his promises. Then verses 13 to 23, Jacob does a typical Jacob and he divides his people and camels and everything up into, into groups. And he sends them, you know, on ahead in companies. So as to, to meet his angry brother, to try and pacify him. And then verse 24, Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Most conservative Bible theologians believe that that angel was none other than the pre-incarnate Christ. So there Jacob wrestled all night. Verse 25. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, that's the angel against Jacob. He touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So here we have a picture of prayer, earnest prayer, struggling alone 
with God in the prayer closet hour after hour here. Jacob was at the turning point of his life. And I believe it was here that he made his peace with God. And it was here that he met with God. And it was here that God struck him in the thigh and wounded him for the rest of his life. And it was here that almighty God met with poor old Jacob. And so the end result here is verse 26. He said, let me go for the day breaketh. That's the angel speaking. And he, that's Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. I suggest you take your pen or pencil and underline those words in your Bible right now. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Underline them right now. If you ever want to be a prayer warrior, you must learn the meaning of those words. This is so important. You must cling. You must prevail in your prayer closet. A lot of our prevailing is over the world, the flesh and the devil in order to draw close to God, to understand God's promises, to hang on to God's promises, to pray God's promises back to him. Oh, there's so much to learn about prayer. Your study on Wednesday nights about wisdom will greatly help you with your prayer. Verse 27. And he, that's the angel said unto him, that's Jacob. What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Heel grabber. Supplanter. Cheater. That's my name. What's your name? I'm the cheater. Verse 28. And he said, thy name shall be called no more. Jacob cheater, but Israel, Israel for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed somebody right in amen. Oh, beloved. This is prevailing prayer. This is a turning point in Jacob's life. Oh man, a living. He should have experienced this. 70 years or more before this day. Look at all the wasted years. Boy, when you meet with God, when you meet with God, good things happen. Now the hollow of his, his, his leg was out of joint there. And he kind of stumbled his way back to his family and his family would have looked at him and seen him. Clothes torn, dirt on him, maybe some blood or something, hair all must. He's limping. And they would have said, what happened to you? And Jacob would have looked at him and said, I got blessed. Jacob met with God. When was the last time you've met with God? When was the last time you got alone with God and prayed? Until you felt the victory. When was the last time you had a meeting with almighty God? You know, you could meet with God today. If you're watching this service and you're not born again in your heart of hearts, you know that if you died, you're just right now, just hoping that if you did die, you'd go to heaven. My friend, you can settle that today but you need to meet with God. You need to meet with Jesus Christ today. 
and ask him to forgive you your sins. Yes. Admit to him. You are the, the cheater. You are the supplanter. Confess to him like Jacob confessed to God. And Jesus is there to forgive you and cleanse you and to put his spirit inside of you. My friend, if we can help you find Jesus Christ, you get in touch with us. If you're watching and you know Christ as your savior, but it's been a long time since you felt the presence of God. Won't you do it today? Won't you meet with God today? What's holding you back? How long are you going to let the devil win? How long until you humble yourself and say, Lord, I've wandered far away from home. Now I'm coming home. Christian friend, will you come back to Jesus today? Pray with me. Dear loving heavenly father, thank you. Thank you for your great mercy. Thank you that Jacob finally met you, had an encounter with you. And because of that, we take hope today. We take instruction from it today that we too can meet with almighty God. Father, I pray that your, your people would meet with you today and that they wouldn't wait until some time of crisis and some emergency before they get on their knees. Father, let everyone who nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, depart from the worldly ways that surround us. May everyone who knows you as savior have an encounter with God today. Oh, please bless your people. Encourage them. I pray in Jesus name. Amen.